The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Ben Howard. I'm Cal Freilich. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Jack Newman, and welcome to the movie gang podcast how are you gentlemen doing this week are you ready to have an awesome day actually i realize we're doing an all gentlemen's podcast about the movie clueless which is just yikes yeah (laughs) maybe yeah i don't know it's good we we all we all can enjoy the novel emma that's essentially what this is yes yes. it's it's nice to it's funny because all my podcasts i listen to right now are all like we're gonna try the skype thing over social distancing and i'm like we've been doing that yeah, socially distancing our podcast for five years now. Yeah, you have to you have to understand there will be literally no decrease in quality of the movie gang podcast, other than the yeah. fact that I couldn't put out a podcast for a whole week because of COVID and the fact that I was slammed at work. That's oh. understandable. I feel. <laughs> I should probably make some statements. I, I work in a hospital to some extent. Uh, do take this seriously. We have a lot of people that are that I see all the time that are kind of like exasperated about it and like acting like this is not a big deal. And like, there's not a lot of cases. Um, a lot of hospitals don't currently have tests to tell you how many COVID patients they do or do not have. Uh, there might be more stuff that's coming out Monday. Uh, just expect there's enough cases and enough absorption in the United States that it will spread. It's not a question of when, I mean, well, it is a, it's exactly what it is a question of. (laughs) It is a question of when (laughs) it's not a question of if, but when, And so just take it seriously. Do stay home, do stuff, do like me, go on, go on Twitter and, and post your flat lay photography of your, all your meals that are in until they get cold because you spend all the time cooking it and taking photography. Well, that's just karma. Yeah. I I literally, I literally did like, didn't let Katie eat mahi mahi for like, I made like fish tacos and I just didn't let her eat it. (laughs) Go ahead, Cal. You got to get the lighting right. Yeah. Perfect. I'm, I'm just saying flatten the curve. Yes. Like yeah. Yes. Hashtag flatten yeah. the curve. Flat the yeah. I, I love a, a thing today too. It's like everybody in the hospital is saying hashtag shifting sands, and I'm like, what? Old people hashtag. Sorry. Like some of the doctors in the hospital are ruining Wait, hashtags for what me. What does that mean? <laughs> I. It means it means that like we're not all certain. Uh, I don't want to stress anyone out but we don't know what's happening and Mm -hmm. that's the point so let's let's not get into it i'm not oh the shifting sand is under our feet yeah well right as i said before we were on here let's go back to the 90s right yes we had Mm -hmm. less problems and less social media to freak us out all the time and beautiful fashion right beautiful fashion it is i haven't really thought about that this is actually kind of one of those things where it's like this is kind of like the pre-mean girls mean girls isn't it like and i hate i hate yeah and and it's it's fascinating to watch this movie and be like oh this is the 90s like this yeah kind yeah. of made the 90s more than even captured it in some ways i would say because like i think there's a distinct thing like pre-95 your fashion is you know your grunge your flannels your 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 that's like cool you know and then after it's like bright colorful neon it's like when people think 90s i think they think post clueless <laughs> or clueless yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this has a this has this opens like the first scene of her picking out that famous yellow outfit on a computer screen with like the most fakey fake 
This is the future but, of digital. But you yeah. know what I was thinking about? Like, like afterwards, I was thinking about that scene, and like we actually have technology that does yeah. that now. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We have stuff where you can take pictures of your closet, and there'll be an algorithm, like a yeah. computer, that'll compile what the things match the best. Yeah. What what the best outfit of the day is. Yeah, yeah. come that far in fashion. Finally. The dream <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, let me just, I, I guess I don't need to do any any introduction for this, but I do want to read off the summary for Clueless because I just want to point out that summaries used to be better. Like, like just it's, the pure, the amount of like people, like, I guess like people just people assume cared. people were reading these more back in the day or they cared more because like, this is totally not a movie that I would expect. Like, like if like me, if like mean girls came out today, it's summary would be bad. Right. Like it would just be, it would just be, it would be bad. It, but yeah. like, so like, let's, let me just lay this one on news. Shallow, rich and socially successful share is at the top of her Beverly Hill high school's pecking scale. Scale's not great, but whatever. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Seeing herself as a matchmaker, share first coaxes two teachers into dating each other. Emboldened by her success, she decides to give hopelessly klutzy new student Ty a makeover. When Ty becomes more popular than she is, Cher realizes that her disappointment ex-stepbrother Paul Rudd was not actually Paul... He's not named Paul Rudd in the movie. Whatever. But you was just look right. at him and it's Paul yeah. Rudd. I mean, yeah, you know. it's Paul Rudd. Cher realizes, literally the same age as he is now, Cher realizes it's that her ridiculous. disapproving ex stepbrother was right about how misguided she was and falls for him. That there's more, like, there's more in that. I'm, maybe this, maybe like the initial summary that they put out wasn't the same as this one here, but like, there's more information. <laughs> In that like one rundown, then like I feel like what was onward was like two sentences and it like didn't even like hit half the beats of that movie. And I'm just sorry. I'm just I'm just saying like, you know, when you see flap jackets in the 90s, like they tend to be better in terms of just like the actual like description of what's happening. I'm just saying. So anyways, uh, yeah, Clueless, a uh, an, a kind of a uh, an, ad- an adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Uh, I'm kind of. There's, it really doesn't really need that much introduction. It's directed by Amy Heckerling, produced by Scott Rudin. Uh, no one cares who it's produced by. But again, it was written written and directed That's by Amy Heckerling. Kind of interesting to me because Scott Rudin is like this famous, incredibly successful producer who produces like heavy, intense movies like, you know, your, your Zero Dark Thirties or, you know, like Gone Baby Gone. Or like he's like known for being this auteur director yeah. driven guy and like... Yeah. It's pretty interesting that he produced in the '90s, like the kind of the, the quintessential teen, teen comedy. Yeah, like the like the drama and the quintessential teen. Yeah, I guess I guess I get what you're saying. Like, oh man, what is that? There we go. Okay, there we go. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. Uh, yeah, I I think it's just I think it's. Oh man, sorry, I'm losing my microphones all over the place. I apologize, guys. We can hear you. I know you can. Uh, I know it's my, not the issue, but. My, Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to be flippant. Uh, okay. Making timestamp. Test, 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 test. Making a timestamp at, what is it? 834. Okay. Thanks. Uh, keep going. Yeah. 
All right. So, yeah, again, starring Alicia Silverstone. Music was by uh, David Kitai. Cinematography by Bill Pope. I can't believe this is actually a Bill Pope is one of the other things. I kind of want to come back to that. That one. That one is like there's it's it's I, I probably know the cinematography names better than like anything else in here and then you kind of like see it's like this guy made like fucking fire in the sky like (laughs) (laughs) he was a cinematographer on the mate on both like the second matrix Matrix. movies yeah all the matrix movies yeah yeah Yeah, like he he's he did men in black three i don't know why that one came to mind i don't i just i I was just like a recent bill pope i don't know but anyways, he did Army of Darkness. He did Fire in the Sky, Blank Check. Uh, like he did Gridlocked. Like I'm just reading his things now. Uh, he's 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 just a very he's just a very stylistic guy, and I, and I, and I think I appreciate his presence in this movie like quite a bit. Uh, circling back to that, edited by uh, Deborah Chiate. You would probably know this, better than I would. Uh, yeah, it was released uh, Ju- Wait, July nineteenth. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, one more person. We got to shout out is Mona May who did the costume design because obviously this is oh. like one of the things most known for never been never been nominated and uh, one of those classic she, like look back and go how is this not nominated for best um, costumes the but co- you know the 95 was back then it was probably all like old the costumes the pretty 1800s. much make half the movie in yeah. my opinion they make yeah. the characters pop they're they're the staple of the 90s I'm just, well this whole podcast i'm going to talk a lot about costumes i apologize it, it's it's <laughs> also like it's also just like very much so how the characters are illustrated through their changing like outfits like there's a, there's like an exchange about her outfit and how her dad doesn't like the outfit but like it's kind of surface level stuff about how she evolves she literally evolves with the outfit over the course of the movie mm-hmm. showing a lot more of how it like she internally does it out or like how she's trying to front at points and do different things and it's it's one like one of those things where it's like paul rudd's character doesn't change and all this other things it's it it's kind of i kind of it's i, I think i think i think like this movie i don't i don't I, I and again i don't have much in the way of movies from the 90s to compare it to but yeah like as much as like people like I, I think like the whole point about Clueless that's kind of always the shocking thing to people is like you know based on the title you think oh it's Clueless but the whole point is that there's so much more happening in this yeah. film there's so much more substance to the matter of it and it just takes and that's the whole that's the whole twist of it taking the perception of a lack of substance and just filling it to the brim with substance and it's the same sort of thing with the costumes and everything it's like mm-hmm. there is so much substance to the character there's so much substance about her journey if you can look past the way that she talks which is the valley girl talk and that's that's yeah. that's just the whole that's the whole that's the whole movie's process in it's order to d two somewhere Sorry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no we've been demonetized we're gonna get, we're gonna, yeah we are we're, yeah we literally are gonna get like sued over that <laughs> no, i'm just joking <laughs> the skywalker light and sound work done yeah yeah <laughs> well i think that's the the thing that has struck me so much more this time is i i thought she was a ditz the first time i watched it and now rewatching it she's incredibly intelligent yes. and right right it is very much the case of um much in the same way why I think the Emma uh, connection is so interesting is that it is the same kind of very uh, um, flowery language mm-hmm. that Jane Austen would use, but yeah. in very modern times. And yeah. I think Clueless is very interesting because it's like extremely 1995. Like every reference yeah. is very, yeah. very 1995 to the point that I think it yeah. actually makes it more of an interesting period piece than like, uh, and and doesn't make it feel 
even though it's clearly dated, it almost doesn't make it feel dated in a way as much as it's, it's like really yeah. not though. Yeah. Like going into this, I thought the same. Like I thought she's gonna be like a complete ditz. I was thinking yeah. like, it's gonna be like legally blonde, you know, Elle Woods, yes. where she uh, has uh, no idea what yeah. the fuck she's doing or yeah. or similar to like mean girls, like they don't they don't know anything. They're almost like a, a play on her, but they dial it yeah. up to eleven almost. Like she's the original. Um, yeah, but shit, she's but. And, and, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I think it's one of the it's probably a stereotype that was more effective at the time because it's pre L Woods and everybody else. It's pre her, obviously, to be yeah. honest, like like she's her play on it is like an L Woods. L Woods is a very different take on this where that like and that's the other thing, too, that I it's one to Legally Blonde's credit. It works in the context of the rest of the movie because there's sort of like a hyper reality thing going on. I've watched uh, Legally Blonde yeah. so many yeah. times. Yeah. Legally, Legally, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde is a high quality movie in a different for a different sort of reason. And I think that's I think that's the point, too. That said, L and it's one of those things is where it's like. Elle is actually in her own way intelligent, but it's also she's also kind of she solves it by being in her own. Well, she's also a lawyer, not a teenager. I mean, it is like a very different context. But but, but the point of that movie is at the end of it, it's like Elle solves the crime by being in her own lane. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 not exactly all about the shame. Yeah, exactly. The 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 whole point is that it's it's more a it's more it's a very different message about like being part of this is totally totally okay versus like you know this it's more of a, a of a facade over the top of a very intelligent person where it, and it's like a very there's very different messages coming through here this is a much deeper movie than legally blonde which i think is saying yeah. something wow well, also, in, a more, in a more satirical one in some ways too i think and there's not like it's not the deep satire no, yeah. heathers but it definitely has elements like particularly when oh, like her man. father learns that she's like raised her grades and she's like you did all this by manipulating people and she's like yeah he's like i'm so proud of you (laughs) You right right, yeah yeah i love that i love that so much that makes me that makes me really heavy i feel like trevor was about to disagree with us about legally blonde and i'm so excited for that well i was said wow because i was like i think you might be right it's been a while since i've seen legally blonde but i don't i don't i don't want to diss that movie at all i don't want to diss that movie just a very different movie at its core a comedy and I think yeah. that's maybe the the slight difference. This is, I mean, actually, that's not even remotely fair. This is at its core comedy as well. Um, it is so <laughs> hyper real in a in a way that is the, the writing and the slapstick. Right, right. Uh, all of a sudden, there's slapstick in this. It's like, oh, there's this is a slapstick comedy. Okay, sure. I haven't seen like slapstick in a while. When she falls off the bed. When she's trying to like seduce the guy who's gay. Which, by the way, who? Did anybody see that coming before that scene? Because oh, it yeah. took me that long. But I mean, the second like, he showed up on screen, Cal was like, "He's gay." Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Instantly. Oh, really? I was like, he has to be gay, right? <laughs> well, I also <laughs> love this very strange thing that he looks and acts specifically like 1950s Marlon Brando. It is a very specific, strange choice, which is very funny to me. Where he's like being, he's got the tucked in, deeply tucked in shirt and the wide shoulders and the pants that are a little too high. And it's like straight out of Streetcar Named Desire. And it's very funny to me that he also mm-hmm. likes like old movies with like yeah. Tony Randall. And uh, yeah. that's like I the mean, guy he's super into. I was like, was this was this as gay as you could be in the 90s? Is that what this was? Mm. What What is this? I, I don't know. You might have a, you it's might a have, very specific yeah. kind of gay person. I mean, but they had the lesbian, what is it, the lesbian coach. 
and she was. Kind and that's of more like of a, a stereotypical. Yeah, she yeah. was very much a trope. Yeah, literally yeah. a gym I, teacher. But it's, he was it's different. It's probably nice that he isn't a trope, actually. Like this, yes. I mean, what what do you guys think about his portrayal here? Well, I, it's, it's so well, interesting to me that he's like a gay, but he's like into like fifties movies. I'll, I'll admit that when I first saw him, I wasn't completely sure, but then like I was like, wait a minute, he's you know. When he said he does, some like it out. hot, I was like, oh okay, some <laughs> like it hot. No, oh, I got okay. it. I got it earlier than that, and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, this would be really ironic if he really was gay. And then I'm like, it'd be perfect. And he's, yeah, he has to be right. at that point because if he wasn't, I'd be like, what are they doing with this movie? <laughs> they have a great opportunity to make this hilarious and great. Yeah, I. I think it's one of the other things too. Again, it's one of those. I think it's 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 kind of the clueless formula, which I I like. It's that it's he's not just a. I mean, obviously they have stereotypes out the wazoo in this movie, but like he's not just a stereotype to some extent. He's still there's like depth, and it's like he has his like, I well, guess like his identity through like his movies and stuff. I I, I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, like everybody has a his thing. Sexuality isn't just him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I kind of like that level of presentation. It's one of those well, things where it's think, like, go ahead. Well, I think also that it's very interesting this movie avoids a lot of the cliches you'd expect that I like a lot of movies later on would do, which is sort of interesting, too. It's always interesting when you see an older movie that uh, does things better than current movies. But, like, a good example is Brittany Murphy's character, Ty, who's, like, the classic one. You think it's like, oh, she's, like, the frumpy girl, and we're going to, like, clean her up, and then she's going to find herself... But she's, like, more experienced than the two of them, which is interesting. She's, like, not a virgin, and they both are, both Cher and Dion. Um, and she's done drugs, it seems like. She just comes from a little bit more of a world-weary thing. She may not just have the most best fashion sense in the world, but that's about it. She's actually, in some ways, compliments them instead of them entirely building her up and being more of a, I don't know, macguffin character, like a she's-all-that style. <laughs> like, it's, it's very much... Um, I don't know. It's just different. It's it's different than what I was expecting, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I Katie stepped in to give her two cents about Legally Blonde. Uh, <laughs> she, I, I really, I, I promise, I beg her sometimes to come on these podcasts. She doesn't want to be on here, but uh, <laughs> it, it's. I think it's like her time to go watch other things that I refuse to watch. Um, Ironically, I'll I'll watch The Bachelor if we have a group of people, but I won't watch The Bachelor if it's just us. I feel like, I don't know, if there's like a group of people and we're drinking, I can watch The Bachelor, but like I cannot, I just have a really I feel hard like time it's a, by myself. A balance you're striking that way of like social good versus just total social ill, like so it evens <laughs> yeah. out. It yeah. evens out. Right, right. right. I would yeah. I would watch Jersey Shore with other people, but I would never watch Jersey Shore by myself. The idea just right. horrifies me. That's that's like that's I'm perfectly it. I did that in college, right? I would get together with five guys and get really hammered and watch Jersey Shore and love it. And those were great experiences. And then if I like and I like watched Jersey Shore once by myself and I was like, what the fuck? Also, I was still cold sober. You can't watch trash by yourself. <laughs> right, like, it's not. It's. I mean, that's. <laughs> share check trash. out, check out Animania sometime. We can totally watch trash by myself. <laughs> it's reality trash. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I, I can. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't know. There's like no. There's a second stomach for anime trash, right, Trevor? 
Second Trevor. stomach. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Trevor, you want to yeah. you want to tell them all the stuff I make you watch? Trevor, you don't make <laughs> me watch stuff. I choose to indulge you sometimes, and sometimes it's just you know uh, uh, you know friendship. I guess. I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I love how my friendship, my friends, like categorize my friendship as like a ball and chain. It's perfect. <laughs> you want to tell them what reality show I've been making you watch? Oh, Ninety Day Fiance. Oh, yes, 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 Other people, it's such good trash. It's pretty good trash, Trevor. It's pretty good, it's pretty good. I want them to make, like, like, I hope they're still filming somehow, or if not, but I want them to, like, hopefully, eventually, they'll make a season, and they'll be like, the whole coronavirus comes up, because it's, like, a big deal, obviously, because you got, you know, your girlfriend or your boyfriend all the way over in this country, and you can't get to them, and... Gonna yep. cause more drama. Have yep. you guys have you guys seen uh, what's the one where they don't see each other's face, like their bodies or faces, and they're oh, in like rooms? Like married yeah, it's blind like, or whatever. Yeah, Love yeah, is blind. The Netflix is blind. Experiment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard go, all about go it. Go see it. It's it is so bad. It is so bad. And like people make decisions in there, and you're just like, "What do you mean you're engaged? You're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I I I I don't know, man. That one that one's painful. I, I'll I'll watch another season of The Bachelor before I watch that show again. That, that thing is, whew. Okay, back to Clueless. Um, I love how we're talking about something that literally has no. I just want to. We talk about The Bachelor. I think because we kind of consider it, or I talk about The Bachelor. This is me. I don't mean to put this on to anyone else. But we kind of consider this all in the ethos. The ethos of it is that we have this trash over the top persona and then the lesser than her whole characterization on the inside. And I think superficial. Right. Superficial is the yeah, that's the perfect term for the whole thing. That is the idea is that the depth underneath the superficialness or the perception of everyone else around her as her being superficial when she actually like goes out of her way to help people and try to do the right thing. And she like has a thing. What do you guys think of this? Who, who here has read Emma? I have listened to the audiobook because it was free on Audible when I yep. was monthly. Yeah. And I went through a Jane Austen movie thing. So I saw the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma movie. I haven't seen the new one, which I hear is pretty good. And a better adaptation overall, but I still haven't seen that one because uh, it's supposed to be a VOD soon, so I might check it out then. I've never, I've never read Emma, and I didn't even know it was a thing until, until the the trailer for the new one came out. Uh, but my mom's like a big Jane Austen fan, but she can nonstop watch. Um, what is it? Pride and Prejudice, and that's all I know from Jane Austen is Pride and Prejudice. This and that. <laughs> Um, it's like the closest thing more to like a comedy of manners style from her right it's not as like it's not as much of a romantic novel it's more like kind of from what i understand it's more a little more episodic and a little more like you know emma fun funs going on yeah i don't know i i mean there are romantic entanglements left and right um yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying and more like she's it's not like one like mr darcy you know yeah, yeah one main drama Right. And it's, it, it, yeah, episodically. I, I do think that, like, I've always found since I've read it that Pride and Prejudice is a far superior Jane Austen novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma may have more of a 
I don't know that that's true. I think I think it's one of those things, too, where you kind of got to consider it. And this is like a weird thing to put on Jane Austen, but like the salaciousness of her story sometimes, like to, to some extent, there are more marketable Jane Austen novels to other ones about like, you know, kind of like the appeal of it or the relationship appeal or the appeal of the drama of it. And I think that's one of the things it's like I think the relationships and Pride and Prejudice because of Mr. Darcy specifically and the, like the two characters, you know, doing the X pattern of like, woo, we're missing each other in the middle type of deal. I don't know how to explain it. Sorry, that was like a really weird way to explain Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> um, just two characters. Yeah, exactly. The two characters coming across each other and just missing each other always. And then will they, won't they? Um, to some extent, Emma is both more clever and less marketable because it, the relationship the relationship there are there is relationship scandals all over the place but they're less important to the core i guess story which is about emma which is which is i think different from pride and prejudice which is very much about kind of the relationships i actually think we need like an austin scholar in here to just be like jack shut the fuck up yeah i'm really um, trying to and i have no idea i i've not finished pride and prejudice and i just listened to emma once so i really can't compare the two i yep. could maybe say that Let's I not th- think I know what you're talking about and that maybe the stakes are not as high in Emma, but I don't even remember it. I don't really even particularly think the that. stakes are high. They have to fly in like somebody's wedding at the end to raise the stakes. Like, like they, they, they have to like, they like have to, they, they, they like have to go like have an elopement that is like secured and like Darcy has to fix it just to like make the plot happen to some extent. I mean, there are, Jane Austen is not like, unassailable as a writer do you know what I mean <laughs> but uh again so with your experience of that how do you guys think Clueless stacks up as an adaptation of Emma for those that have read Emma well I think it's very good because I think one thing that people forget with Jane Austen is that she was a very revolutionary writer in her time she was right. trying to write about this female oppression essentially of this this era and I think while this is a more freewheeling, fun uh, project overall, I think it keeps a lot of the integrity of the main character, particularly in her intelligence, in her wit, in her ability to um, manipulate right. but also grow. I think it it's one of the better teen movies for that reason because I think you know the, the girl is not just prize or nits or uh, ho or anything that she's right. she she's you know openly sensual and sexual and even though she's not uh, a sexual being better herself but trying to better herself and right yeah and like genuinely and i like that you know like when she she starts off with selfish reasons to to get wallace sean and and the other teacher together but uh ultimately she actually kind of revels in the fact that they do genuinely like each other yeah yeah is at their wedding at the end which is you know she discovers the value of helping other people which is just i guess sort of a weird thing to watch a character discover in a movie it's like man doing nice things is nice and it's just like (laughs) but it's just you have i guess i guess it's one of those things too where the movie intentionally plays off the fact that you have such low fucking expectations for her and I think that's I think that might be it, too. In its own way, it's talk. It's like the whole clueless element of it or like the the this like the facade over the top of it is talking about another way in which we dismiss women, which it, I guess in this own way, it adds this layer on top of the original novel by having your dismissal of the women and the fact that you want to dismiss her as she grows as a person in front of your eyes. It kind of forces you to shed your expectations of her 
and in such a good way. And I think I think it's one of those two, two things where it's a, it's an adaptation that layers the core meaning of the work on re, on top of it by adding by adapting it to modern times. And like talking about another way we dismiss women over like like the like the Valley Girl accent and everything else and talking that is another way that we're just keeping women down. I agree that it's a good adaptation as far as I can remember in that in the writing of it here and there again and again, I like appreciated the different beats of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. And um, I, I, I agree with like her, your, your overall point about her character arc and whatnot. But this is something I've been kind of waiting to bring up because, man, uh, before I mean, this is before we even called it Upspeak, right? But just. The not even the upspeak itself, but the characterization of it is such a high entry point, I think, for me going into this, having never really seen this movie before or heard about it until now, having just entirely missed it. And again and again, while watching it, just the quality of the writing and the beats and just I don't know how to put it, but it just kept working on me just in kind of in spite of myself. I appreciated just some of these turns of phrase and some of the comedic timing is just so good. But I do think it has not aged maybe as well, for me at least, as y'all are giving it credit for in that, uh, I know, I rated 20, 30 minutes to bring this up, but I feel like this was my opening. Um, In that I think just just the characterization of like this feminine vapidity that is like embodied in that upspeak and that Valley Girl accent doesn't really go away by the end. It's still there. She's still like very whiny and cringy, even despite mm. going through all this character mm. growth. And I appreciate that and what the movie is. I realize it's written, directed by a woman in the 90s, and I appreciate it for what it is. But I think it's like a high barrier to entry. And I think it, it if, if you want to say something about how it hasn't aged well, that's what it is for me. Well, I think Oof. one big character development that she goes through too that I don't know if we've really brought it up is that she realizes that she's not always right like I think in the beginning she's like stuck in her head she's very much like oh no you look better like this oh no you don't want to go out with that guy you want to go out with this guy oh I hate my brother he's horrible like she's very like we think of her as very like superficial and I feel like she still sees things very superficial but like the more you go on, she's like, oh, no, maybe I'm not always right. You know, maybe this guy isn't best for you. You know, right. maybe this guy, the other guy that you initially liked, you know, he's a really good match for you. Um, and then she sees like, oh, my brother's not that big of a, you know, douchebag. Oh, I have the hots for my brother now. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's another like big like she doesn't do a whole, you know, 180 by the end. She's still a little bit ditzy. She's still a little bit, like, in her head. But I think she still grows as a character and realizes that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around her. Mm-hmm. And she she's not always going to be right. Or the best thing that she says is for everyone isn't always the best thing. Right. Yeah. I uh, Go ahead, Ben. You were saying something. No, no, I, no, I, I was just agreeing. Yeah, I, I I I disagree. I disagree with Trevor about. I I, I probably disagree. Mm, how to how to put this? I disagree with Trevor. I think I, I really do think there is a timelessness to Clueless 
that is aggressive. And I think, and, and I think I, I'm not going to disagree with you about some stuff. I think slapstick, it's, it's a little jarring to go back and see slapstick now. It's just, it, you well, know, I really like some of it. I mean, I like. Oh no! I, I, when she I, fell I, off the bed, that was—I don't know if, why, but I if anything, did. it landed harder for me because, like, I was like, I haven't seen—I don't know when the fuck I've seen slapstick in forever. Like, this is—it's one of those things too, where it's like you go back and see slapstick in American Pie, and you're like, oh man, and then you see it in Clueless, and for whatever reason, like, they just—there I, I, is like a level of quality of slapstick that you just, you know, it's like why Charlie Chaplin was considered important is because he pulled off good slapstick. There is good and bad slapstick and there's good and bad slapstick in movies. And this is like the, this is like a high bar of slaps. It's, I, I guess it's like the thing is too. you go back and go back and like hit the high bar of slapstick in nineties comedies. And you're like, Whoa, which is, I think, I guess that's the thing. It's like dip. The nice thing about this movie is that going back to it, dipping your toe into something that is, that is really aged because of just like, you know, like before all the financial crises and all the other th- stuff, like it's just really like it just this, there's a level of like wealth. And, and I think that's the thing too. I think the element that's not aged of it is having somebody be aware of their wealth and relish in their wealth. That's just not really yeah, the, ex- the as acceptable is as the other thing too. And right. And I think the, that's more, it's I, Dickensian try- almost. And then she's a cop, but, like it's her character it's accomplished but signified that she's become a better person by like wanting to give to charity and give the skis to the people that need them and I, I can't remember where um, which was a good line which is funny and it's poking fun at that but it's just it it feels also very 90s in that way like almost Clinton era it's like oh yes I'm going to like offer aid like across the world in that like because I have and it doesn't actually matter and, or change anything and meanwhile you know quote. you live in Beverly Hills and the ghetto is down the street like you know you're not woke <laughs> I, I, I don't know well it's, I, it's I, very I, 90s, 90s woke yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I, I agree with that I think that I think I can accept it as a time and place as like her not this. I, I think that her growing as a person and being a good part of the world, even if it was a good part of the nineties is still a thing. I think the fact that I don't totally reject this movie, even based on its age and like the subject matter that it's playing with, because it does kind of, she does grow and it's undeniable. I think that's the thing is too. It's just like, I think that if you work on, if you take a look at like the hero's journey inside of clueless, it is fairly timeless to some extent that I can jump back into something that I'm just kind of, I think that, I think that, I think the problem is, is I think we're, I think we would almost conditioned by today to kind of disagree with a lot of the context of this movie or find her even more objectionable than the people. Like the point is initially the setup is to find her objectionable. And then the movie plays off that setup. And I think the timelessness of this movie is the fact that today we're conditioned even more so to find her even more objectionable. And the fact that it still pulls me back down through the arc really makes me think that it's just, it's an excellent arc. It's an excellent, excellent bit of edit. And, 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 and I think that's by the same extension, maybe the other thing too, is like, I'm not disagreeing with you that maybe the resolution does not have the impact that it did in the nineties, because I guess like giving to charity in the nineties, just like, yeah, we're good. But like, she still has the arc. She doesn't, maybe doesn't succeed, but that doesn't, it's not important that the fact that you got to the end of this movie and I fucking like, like Alicia Silverstone's character, like, uh, yeah. Or I like share. I, I, I think that is just a triumph in and of itself for me personally, because I am just, 
I am just preconceived to not like the person. It's just and that's what they're going for. They want me to not like it and they're playing off me. And I think the thing is like I think that's the beauty of Clueless is like the more you reject the character at the outset, the more I think you're going to like it a little bit or you're at least going to identify and understand and enjoy her turn. Yeah, for sure. And I did. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. It's just for me, the packaging. Yeah. I think the packaging is the, is the turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I think they're so like, it's, it's like right here. Sorry, I'm getting like, I'm, I'm like getting this, but I think it's exactly to Kel's point. The, 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 like the packaging or how they're wrapped or the, the way they dress is all part, is all part of it. It's all part oh, of the yeah. turn. It's the same layered elements of them just layered on top of each other. So I don't know. I probably, I probably embrace Clueless and I probably would, I, I was, I was revving up to call it, kind of timeless or at least a little bit but i mean i i I could i could be wrong about that well i want to hear kel's thoughts on the uh fashion on the fashion before that you had done some research on i did a little bit but it's i don't know i i just like how people especially nowadays are actually like really obsessed with this movie and the fashion like if you even like look up like clueless fashion it just comes with all these websites of like l's outfit especially the the plaid one the yellow plaid the one yellow which plaid one. it's just everywhere honestly and how you know how fashion is in cycles like i feel a lot of recently we've been getting a lot of the 90s back and i can see it a lot in this movie which was i think probably also probably going off of the 60s or 70s too like this movie was yeah and like and it's just like a great era. little time capsule of you know like there's so many reference references in the movie besides yeah the fashion that really reads like oh the 90s and i had to be like wait what and i'd had to ask you because some of them just flew over my head <laughs> yeah because i was like I was like five in the nineties, five and six. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> Kel, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Just out of curiosity. I am twenty nine. Ah, so you're so, like the exact same. Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So, I remember yeah. the nineties, but I remember like the kids' version of the nineties. Power yeah. Rangers. Power Rangers and Kids Bob. Yeah. It's kids Bob. Like Double Dare and. And uh, cereal. In, in many the ways, the kids' yes. '90s were the best '90s. They I'm really just saying were. That. Yeah, yeah. They they really really were. yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where I was, I was talking. I was at my God's, my Godbrother's graduation, and he was his friends. His graduation speaker was talking about watching Friends on Netflix for the first time, and I was just like, uh-huh. "Fuck me." <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things, too, where I don't think newer generations will be as defined as our generation in the 90s and 80s and 70s because they can reach back more easily than we did. And it's one of those things where it's like somebody just started watching Friends at their school and all of a sudden everybody at their school was watching Friends through (laughs) the thing and they were all binging it. And there was like apparently like Friends was a big thing for their senior class. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like like there's new TV all the time. What the fuck? Watch a show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's there is something interesting about that when when these things hit <laughs> streaming sites that they always notice some kind of reappropriation or like you know rediscovery of it or discovery yeah, of it yeah. from some people were like I was thinking that now because I was watching uh, uh, clips of Reno nine one one and I was like I want to watch this is good this would be a good thing to enjoy right now and it's just very hard to find off the off Comedy Central website I'm like man they just yeah. dropped that onto Netflix. 
then there's suddenly yeah. going to be so many posts I'm going to start seeing of like, did anyone remember Reno 911? That's a good show. Like, it's so yeah. interesting that like, yeah. if it's not on a very available streaming site right now, it can be kind of lost to time. Yeah, talk talk about a show that that you you kind of talk about excess. Like this one has a lot of clues has a lot of excess. You you talk about like Friends and you're like that apartment in New York. No, no, no. At no period in history. <laughs> <laughs> He's a failed actor. Yeah, that's funny, guys. Keep, keep going. It's also an extremely pro capitalism movie, which is to say that yeah. it's like very into yeah. designer and wealth and oh yeah yeah. But it is also doing that Emma thing of like the wealth haves, is assumed the haves and the have nots. Right. Well, and it's assumed <laughs> that the people involved are wealthy and like they have it, access oh, to that in thing, its own you know. way. Emma is still, and this is a criticism of Jane Austen to some extent. Emma is by extension also in its own way, kind of pro capitalism. <laughs> like it's sure. kind of, it is, well, it's more not, it's not capitalism. It's assumed again, Kel's right. It's assumed wealth, but it's the assumption of high ends of wealth and the challenges facing people in supposed positions of privilege or they're not supposed, they are positions of privilege, but they also have detractions yeah. on the and basis of their almost- sex. It's almost like a charity that she almost does. Like, oh, well, let me give you a makeover because your clothings are gross. Yes. <laughs> let me fix your hair, teacher, <laughs> and your face and just everything. Because they're yep. not up to my standards. Right. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I, uh, I think that's, I think, I think, uh, is there any last thoughts about Clueless? I mean, we're going to get, everybody's going to get her go around the circle when they do scores in a second. But any other thoughts or things that we haven't hit upon? The music was interesting. I kind of yeah. wanted Sarah on for this a little bit to talk about the music. I, I was kind of thrown off. I mean, it's very, it's very much a soundtrack, and it's one of those things that's it's very an amazing much amazing soundtrack. It's it like, is, it is. Oh, so dude, many ra- Radiohead. I, I just, I don't know what happened. Like, I went on a radio binge, Radiohead binge after seeing this movie. I don't know why. There were they, so they many one- <laughs> '90s references that were so. So 90s that I just laughed out loud and like turned to my girlfriend and was like, I don't know, it's just funny. Like, oh, I lost my cranberry CDs. Like, oh, yeah, the cranberries, cranberries. Back, of course. Like, I don't know, it's just oh, so stereotypical. <laughs> it was fun, that was a lot of fun. I remember, yeah, I can't remember which character they mentioned, but at one point they oh mentioned someone being a sex symbol. I think it was like Chris Isaac or something. I'm like, that's very 90s. I thought they were talking about Christian Slater for a minute, Christian Slater, yeah. The oh, only time he, when he was like considered was super. He, I was like that, that Christian Slater, like Mr. Robot From, Christian Slater. God, that's who they're talking I, about. I uh, yeah. I, I, Bell or no, that's a different. No, it's oh, different. Never mind. I can't. I can't eat Christian Slater. I, I just. I, all I see is him and is like in Broken Arrow, just running around, and I'm like, people thought this was a leading man. That's weird. It did. <laughs> and he was just ripping off uh, Jack Nicholson the whole time. Yeah. So people think he looks like an Air Force pilot. What the fuck? He's not even built enough to be an Air Force pilot. What the fuck? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> Broken Arrow makes me. Broken Arrow is one of those movies where it's it's pro, it's not memorable in any form of way. Demolition Man is another one where it's like it's a movie that is very important to my childhood in terms of my dad and us watching like a movie over and over again but it doesn't have like a zeitgeist to it it's not important to the zeitgeist I feel like Demolition Man should be because I love Demolition Man I don't know Demolition Man is the perfect perfect rewatch movie uh, and it has yeah. been social distancing with the, the handshake <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It just we're we're going by demolition man rules. That's what we're doing. It. Yeah. I shook hands with like four ICU doctors today before oh somebody was like in their line. I was like, don't shake your hands, guys. Like it wasn't th- it was them too. Like I mean, they were like, hey, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah. I can't, I can't smell anything but bleach. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and put scores on it. Ben, I'm going to let you take over scores for a real minute. Katie is signaling me, which probably means something bad has happened, and I need to go check oh. out and see what that is, so I apologize if you guys could do scores real fast. I'll come back in in the end, and we'll collate and get it done. I apologize for this, guys. That's all right. All right. What is it? So, uh... Is everything I'll okay? start is then, I guess. Out of 10? And, yeah, it's out of 10. Exactly. You can do 0. 0.5 if you want. Okay. I'm going to do... I'm gonna do a nine. I'm not gonna lie. I, I really like this really? film a lot. Um, it's somewhere between eight point five and a nine, but uh, I'll go with a nine. Why not stand on, stand on some solid ground? Um, I just think this film's very clever and intelligent. It really surprised me a lot more than it had previously. Um, I think the it's just a tight ninety-seven minutes, which is ah, beautiful. Um, it it it's it's episodic. It kind of goes in weird directions actually eh, no i'm sticking stick to it nine then um trying to talk <laughs> myself out of it um but uh it's uh it, it can go in sprite ways and the ending kind of peters out a little bit to me because i don't really look, care that much about the paul rudd um, storyline as other people do but uh just to see all those faces uh, that that intelligence the way the language is done i think it's really really good i, I think it is kind of a crime this wasn't nominated for best screenplay or best costumes especially um, I think this is one of the more interesting uh, teen films to rediscover and, and find that it's it's a lot more interesting than you may have remembered. I think a lot of people do know that, but uh, but maybe maybe not everyone does. Maybe if you watched it as a kid and you just enjoyed the fashion and the jokes, uh, give it a rewatch. And if you haven't watched it because you think it's some you know cheesy '90s flick that doesn't have uh, intelligence, you're you're wrong. <laughs> I think there's a lot to just watch here. So I think if you're looking for something interesting to watch and you're in your bunker. A good <laughs> one. Uh, Trevor, what are you going to give Clueless? You know, uh, I really enjoyed this. I know I was like the only negative here, but um, I don't know. It's something about the upspeak to me is just like it's it's so judgmental of the upspeak in a way that when it like tries that, that when it also like undermines it, it just isn't enough to like it. I, I don't know. It's still, I res- have a lot of respect for it. I really enjoyed it. I just, there is like a kind of distance for me from that aspect of it, at least. Everything else, the costumes, the slang, everything, it's, I'm fine with it. That's like my one uh, drawback, I guess, but it is everywhere. So I'm going to give it a seven, and uh, which, yeah, I heartily recommend this. All right, Kel. I don't know if you're going to be surprised by what I give it. I'm like, I'm between like a 7 and a 7.5. Wow. I'm the way higher one. Yeah. I mean, I liked it a lot, um, but I think I'm with you. Like, the ending, like, I think it's just so weird. I just thought it was really weird that she, even though it's like, you know, it's her her stepbrother, I just think it's it's really weird. When the fountain why. lights up for Paul Rudd and her epiphany, you didn't, you didn't just, weren't, weren't swayed by that? It's so weird. But uh, I meant... I'd rather they just, like, maybe it ends with them being friends and, like, getting along or something, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else you would do for the ending, and isn't it... That's how the way it, it is in the Jane Austen, isn't it? Like, and that's maybe, like, the one Jane Austen thing where it's, like, if it's your cousin, it's, like, 
more acceptable when it's the 1800s. Yeah, but it's still so mm-hmm. weird. It's brother. It's just, I, I don't know. And they try their best to, like, distance it where they're like, they were only married for five years and she barely knows him and uh, she didn't really grow up with him or anything like that, but it's still like, yeah. No, it's still, yeah, it's still weird. But, but, I mean, besides from that, I like, I kind of like how it's, like, episodic almost in a way. Mm-hmm. It... It feels like I am going to compare it to Mean Girls, even though it was before Mean Girls. But in a way, Mean Girls was also kind of episodic in a way. And it kind of, it does hit that sweet spot of like, ooh, we're going to make over you. And and, and we're the cool girls and everything. Right. <laughs> that I like was burning to see when I was, had a slight cold. And I was <laughs> like, I need to watch high school girls. From the 90s, be high school girls. This is what I need watch right this. Now. <laughs> I need this right now. Um, so in that sense, I thought it was pretty fun. And I'd probably end up watching it again. You know, with um, Never Been Kissed and Bridget, Bridget Jones' Diaries and all that goodness. Mm-hmm. Those are Teen also ones drama. that I missed that I would, would be interested in. <laughs> going back to yeah that. I've actually never seen any of those either and those were like I'm like Ben we need to see this this or this yeah pick. and you were like we're gonna watch Clueless and I'm like alright <laughs> so um but I mean I'd still watch it again and I think it, uh, anybody who haven't seen it, who hasn't seen it should give it a try especially if they like you know Mean Girls yeah. or or even like Shows yeah. where it's like, I'm gonna remake you. Um, very My Fair Lady esque. Yes. Um, any of those, definitely give it a shot. All right, Jack, so we got our scores. Do you want me to just give your score? Yeah, and I'll do yeah, it. yeah go ahead and what were the scores real fast? So I gave it a nine, Trevor gave it a seven, and Kel gave it a seven. That was 7.5. 7.5. I decided on a 7.5. Man, I gotta come in. I gotta come in with Ben here. Uh, I'm probably an eight point five. I I I really do think Clueless was surprisingly timeless for me. I uh, uh, I, I don't know, man. I understand that there's inherent problems with the '90s, and I think that that's one of the things about this movie. Things that might bother other people about this movie in terms of it being about the the 90s. Sorry if I'm reiterating what other people have said. I missed what people are thinking because we had a water issue. Uh, but the point Ooh, is... I Those are important. It, yeah, it, is, it was important. Uh, it's taken care of for the moment. Enough for me to finish this podcast. Uh, anyways, the the point is is that uh, I, was, I was getting to say like... The inherent problems of the 90s, I find more and more that I can put content from the 90s in its place and like understand that there might be inherent background issues about wealth that we're dealing with more today than we were then. And it still allows me to enjoy the context of the thing in and of itself. And I think that's the thing is that in and of itself, it's a story about a woman liberating herself and the and it has a and it, it works textually on multiple levels to reiterate that point while deceiving the audience also pushing forward also readapting an old an older narrative and showing in some ways that the narrative about the suffrage movement not suffrage but like the women's movement in all forms over the centuries is continuing on always and it's just kind of tying it back to that moment in history to a moment that was very much like this one 
in such a way. It's just like one of those things where it's like whether or not it's successful, it doesn't particularly matter as to saying it was highly, highly, highly successful for this moment in time. Not not successful as like in financially or you know, and, and like a movement successful, but it was successful in its own way of like seeing almost prescient for its ability to summarize life and times in the nineties. And I think that I appreciate that. I think that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it almost as like a historical artifact. And I think that's maybe that's maybe putting two, that's maybe not looking at movies in the right way, but I think that, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it holds up too. I think that's, I think that's the thing that shocked me is I didn't think I wanted to like it, but I did. Uh, Kel, you were 7.5. Yes. And Trevor was a seven, correct? Seven. Yes. All right. We're going to do some math real fast. You guys want to see how quick I can do math on my calculator? It's pretty not fast is the damn (laughs) truth. (laughs) If we're being honest, vamp, 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 and I'm vamping divided by four. Oh, it's all up to an eight. Yeah, there it goes because 32. Yeah, 2.5s. Yep, so the Movie Gang Podcast gives Clueless a 8 out of 10. Yeah, that's pretty good. You go check it out, especially if you're locked in your house and you need something to go check out. We're going to be doing things. I really want to do Pandemic or or Epidemic and some other things. Contagion. Contagion is another movie I really want to see. We should see Contagion. (laughs) I've Uh, been like terrified and also like wanting to watch it because I've never seen it and I was like Ben let's watch it and this was like before we've been quarantined Mm -hmm. and now I'm like is it appropriate to watch this is it gonna freak me out but I'm also still very curious because I've never seen it (laughs) there's a scene what's the movie that has the scene where she stabs herself with a needle and infects herself Uh, that's Outbreak that's Outbreak I just watched that one that one is terrible (laughs) Yeah, it is terrible. I mean, it's fun, but it's it's terrible. <laughs> Anyways, but the whole time, the whole time we were doing the PEP stuff today, like PPE is what the word is, and it's personal protective equipment stuff, which is where they have it on. I was thinking about that scene, and I was like, uh, <laughs> or she's just like, and they're like, check for rips, and I'm like, no rips. <laughs> so it was just. It was just a man. It was a, it was a thing. Anyways, uh, for the movie gang podcast, this has been. Kel, I don't know your last name. It's Freilich. It's weird. It's German. Okay. Kel, Freilich. Say goodbye, Kel. Bye. <laughs> ben Haworth. See y'all later. Trevor Flynn. Goodbye. And I've been your host, Jack Newman. Man, I am so bored. I'm just caught in my house and I have nothing to do. Well, you know what you can do? You can head over to the Tuscan Shed Media Network. That's the TuscanShed.com, where you can check out a, a myriad number of other podcasts and backlog podcasts. Oh, you're watching Deep Space Nine? Oh, you want a bunch of buddies to watch Deep Space Nine in, but you are all alone in your home and you want the affection and touch of another human being? Well, then hop on Geek Space Nine, where you can hear Ben and his friends go through every episode of Deep Space Nine as they watch through it. And you can check out all that while listening along. It's almost like having friends, I promise. Uh, I'm joking. You obviously have friends, but it's 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 it is a fucking trip to go back through it and watch it. Uh, yeah, I it almost gonna make you feel like it, every time they almost convince me that Cisco is the best captain, but I, I'm never quite there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna decide on that. Anyways, uh, there's a there's an episode called The Quickening, which is about a, a plague. You know, 
So if you want to uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just think about that. Find that uh, episode. You can also check out all our other podcasts, including one of the things that we might be doing. We might be taking a look at taking another run of pen and paper pod. We're going to check it out. Uh, we never actually, I never actually officially said why we didn't continue on with pen and paper pod. I think it just turned out to be, we actually recorded episodes that never aired. Uh, I thought about airing those just because, but it actually turned out to just production wise be a freaking disaster. <laughs> it was just, a, we bit off <laughs> a tough. lot. It was it was tough. It was tough. Though we, I think we had a really good time. We might come taking. We might take another look at that, doing it as a live stream where it's all done on one. So that's a theoretical possibility that we might take on in the future. But if you want to go and check out, you can check out the entire uh, escape from Castle Dracoguard adventure up there. Go check out that. You can also, while you're there, check out our uh, live long. Uh, what is it? Live long and discover podcast. What would we call it? Oh, I live forgot. long and discover. Yeah, it was good. And it was, again, I, I'm not, you can kind of, it's a, it's a show where you can talk about discovery and listen to, uh, four people slowly lose total faith in the show discovery. Uh, yes. it, it's not, yep. it maybe not like, <laughs> it's great. It is great. And we talk about Orville and we love Orville. <laughs> we did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to characterize that. We actually put a lot of work in that. <laughs> you should go check it out. Uh, and again, we also have the long running Animania series where you can check out all other podcasts. We just released a couple episodes. It's actually the anime season, despite all of the shortage of anime and the, the, and the slowdown of anime over the coronavirus outbreak and the fact that several anime studios have shut down and the shows have stopped in a couple of places. Uh, it is, the season is ending and we're getting ready to do our wrap up and look forward for the, uh, the, like the spring season. So go ahead and check that out. You can see all our other shows. What do we just do? We just released, I think Darwin's game. And what else was it? So, so it was Somali. Uh, oh yeah. Somali and the forest spirit. Very good show. Actually very Ghibli inspired. That's my check that favorite out. show of the season. Actually. Are you joking with me? I mean, it's what, well, if my favorite show of the season is what I watch first and I'm always caught up on, then uh, does that include everything in, does that include everything in Netflix jail? Cause I mean, we, you, I can, you can, I haven't even checked that out air. yet. Cause I have to go steal it and I have to go, I have to go hijack off Starbucks Wi-Fi, which is damn you Netflix. hard to do. No, so. I, uh, we go check out that you can find all our other shows on there and check those out. And if you're feeling like helping us head on over to Tuscan shed media network, that's t- at Tuscan shed docs line, uh, backslash support us. And you can find a myriad number of ways to help the podcast. You can use some Amazon affiliate links on there. Go do your regular Amazon shopping, which we know you are. It'll send us a few bucks, help keep us on the air. Check out all of those things. Also, while you're there, you can check out some of our other deals. I think we have a deal currently through. Um, well, I should know it, but I we don't know deals? it offhand. Do we, still we have, have deals? deals. Yeah, of course we have deals. We make money, baby. Come on. How do you think? <laughs> when, when was the last time you paid dues? Jesus. <laughs> I know. I just assumed it happens magically from people who love us. I didn't, you know, I didn't I, I, know I, if we still I, had sponsors I, or not. I, I love how you characterize all my hard work. It's like <laughs> I've done all the cooking for COVID at home. And like Katie's like, I love that when food just materializes. And I'm like, just materializes? <laughs> Maybe if you wanted food to keep materializing, you probably wouldn't characterize it as such. Anyways, uh, yeah, go check out all those things. And I'm actually going to put a personal post in there. Go check out my uh, my Instagram. I am posting a bunch of flat lay food photography because that's all I've been doing for the last week is cooking and making Katie wait while I take pictures of it, which is kind of amazing. 
<laughs> I don't mean to characterize it, but I, I kind of feel like I put like, a biscuit on a dog's nose and made them wait, and I feel like torturous and terrible for doing it. Uh, that's not a good comparison. One Way to compare to your girlfriend. I know, I know, I know. As soon as I said wow. it, I felt like I needed to die. That's the thing. Like, like, like I don't know, like women's suffrage movement or clueless or share herself are going to come in here and be like that's terrible i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i assume she would saying suffrage it's like it goes 100 200 years ago <sighs> i don't know dude i'm having a moment man it was a day it was a day okay i had to go to a hospital and like it, it the hospital is like kind of a dark place to be right now. <laughs> i know it's like yeah two separate yeah. entrances and everything yeah, and, and you get checked at security check. It's crazy. Anyways, let's, from everyone here at the Movie Gang Podcast, one last time, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. We Watch did an hour. Hands. That was an hour. We did it. <laughs>